All right. Welcome to this afternoon's seminar. Hopefully you're here for Know Yourself, Identity, Context, and Missions. Our speaker this afternoon is Daniel Lee. He serves at Fuller as an assistant professor of theology and Asian American ministry. Uh, he is trained in theology and missiology um, and has been a big driving force behind Fuller's Asian American uh, programs and as well as uh, Asian American theology and ministry. So would you guys give him a big warm welcome as he comes up here to speak with us. surprised you guys actually found this room. I was like, where is it? And I was looking around, asking people, and asking a lot of people. They're like, oh yeah, take the elevator. I was like, take the elevator? So, so glad you guys are here. Um, just a quick word. If you want to know more about what I do, uh, the Fuller.edu the Fuller. at AEC talks about the Asian American Center. And I also have a podcast that talks about stuff like this. So, uh, um, I'll put it up again later on, but just to kind of give, an, give some context of where I'm coming from. I'm in Southern California. I have three kids, three little daughters, and one's, this is being recorded, so I shouldn't talk about my daughter. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I have a 12-year-old, 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old, and they're, they're my joy. Um, and I've been married for a while. I'm originally from Virginia, and I think it's been interesting for me to move from Virginia, Northern Virginia, to California. And think about, think about identity, because that shift, it's so big, right? And I, I don't think I realized how I grew up, and, I, and what's weird is that if you only stay in those coasts, and you don't get out of it, you don't understand yourself that well. So what's really interesting is, the title of this session is not this. It was actually, I proposed this. You don't know yourself. And they changed it to, no, and I was like, wait a minute. Just, just a slight difference in terms of what the nuance is. Because my argument and what I'm trying to present is that it's very, very difficult to know yourself. It's very, very difficult to know yourself. If I can be like, hell, know yourself. Oh, yeah, done. You go. And that's not what this is, right? And <laughs> it's very difficult to know yourself. And you actually have to do a lot of work. And if you don't know yourself, then bad things can happen, right? So, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who spent a good chunk of time in, in Kyrgyzstan, told me that, you know, I was in Kyrgyzstan, which is former Soviet Union, Central Asia. Uh, he was a frontier, so I'll give a word for frontiers. And he's a faculty now over at uh, Fuller Seminary. He said, this elderly gentleman in Kyrgyzstan told him, that this is not him, this is the picture of an elderly gentleman in Kyrgyzstan, right? So he said, uh, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to be treated like how Native Americans are treated in America. And he's like, huh? But then, see, there's a history of colonization in Kyrgyzstan, right? And also, um, it's Russian colonization, right? And of course, it turns out that Christianity has a really checkered past with how people have treated people all around the world, and of course in the U.S. as well. So he said, oh, you know what, this is really complicating. I can't just be like, oh, no, it's not true. We treat Native Americans really well. Like, oh, no, it's not really true either. So he was like, how do I navigate this? As a Scandinavian kind of, you know, American white man, right? So how, how do you understand his nationality, right? His race is playing a role in this dynamic. Um, I have some friends in university, because I have a, I, a lot of university people take, you know, go to Fuller. And uh, uh, one person said, from, from uh, this campus ministry in the South, said, you know, our Asian American campus ministry is the biggest campus ministry, like flat, like on campus. Shouldn't we have a role in racial justice? And I was like, uh, Yes, if you knew that you guys were Asian American. If you don't know that if you're Asian American and what that really means, you will be a danger to everybody else. It's like having a white ally who don't understand what it means to be like white. And be like, I'm going to support all the black people. I'm like, no, you have to understand who you are. Right? And the dynamics of what that really is. 
this group, even though they're so big and influential, they can't engage in it because they don't know their racial history. They don't know what that really means. They don't know actually where they fit in in terms of the, the, the history of America, in terms of black and white binary that America kind of was founded upon. So I was like, unless you actually get educated, you pay, basically can't play a big role. Third example. This is a picture that comes from this uh, New York Times article. It's called Quiet Exodus. It turns out that a lot of African American, black Americans are leaving white evangelical churches that were so-called like multicultural churches. Because what they realized after the election was that these multicultural churches were really white assimilationist churches. There's a lot more critique about multicultural churches now than before because research shows it doesn't help. It actually helps, makes people dumber about what's happening in terms of racial dynamics in America. So people, we were like saying kumbaya and saying everything multicultural, everything, we realized that people were actually uh, being generally colorblind and context blind and blind about history when they thought about ministry. So the question is, how do we think about, how do we think about our identity, context, and when we do ministry? How, do we, how, how, how can we be really aware of these things? Well, I think the first idea <clears throat> is the fact that you are the message. You all know that we are the message. Like, you are literally the instrument, right? It's not what you do, it's not what you say, it's everything all together. You are the message. And that includes your personal and social identity. That's basically the whole outline of the seminar. I'm going to break down the pers personal identity, the fact that you have to know that really well. And because I have 25 minutes to present this thing, which I probably I do like in a whole quarter. So, <clears throat> But it's fine, right? And I'm going to tell you that I teach this stuff, and um, it's hard, and I make mistakes on a regular basis. Like I screw up, and I, I get on social media because I was blind by certain things. When I was teaching Asian American stuff, as you know, Asian American is a really broad category, and people were like, hey, you're not including. I was like, I'm not. I was totally blind. I didn't understand, right? So even though I teach this stuff, it's very hard. So lots of grace to everybody as we move on, right? Um, if you don't get anything out of this workshop, it should be this. It's how to think about the relationship between your Christian identity and your social, uh, racial, ethnic, cultural identity. What is the relationship between those two things? That's probably, this, if you get this out of this seminar, you're, you're, you're good, right? So some people think about it this way. Hey, you know, like, um, my Christian identity is among other human identities. Like, I am Asian American, I'm Korean American, I am, you know, male, and I happen to be Christian as well. That's one way of thinking about it, and some people do talk about it that way. But that's not how a lot of Christians will talk about it. Um, if, you're, if you're, like, I guess more progressive, right, you'll say, oh, you know what, you might have a Christian identity. Some people are Muslim, some people are Christian, some people are, but we're all humans. So it's actually Christian identity identity under the human identity. Some people think of it that way. But of course, as Christians who care about God and who realize the fact that our, we are, our identity is first and foremost defined by God, we might think of it this way. And, you know, there's a famous pastor who said, you know, said, hey, you know what? Remember, you are a Christian before you are white, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, American, or whatever. And this is a very common way of thinking about it. They'll say, you know what? I'm not defined by other people what they say. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God, first and foremost. And people are like, yeah, yes, praise Jesus, right? It's heretical. It's Gnostic. That is not what the gospel says. Why? Because we believe in the resurrection of the body. We are not souls going to float around. That's not how our salvation works. If you believe in what the gospel is, if you believe in Jesus' resurrection, if you believe you will be resurrected, you will resurrect with your bodies. Jesus is Jewish right now. Right? He's not a spirit floating around. So it turns out, it's like this. Here's your Christian identity. You can't see it, but it's actually in. You are a Christian in your body. Right? You're a Christian in your body. This is what it means to be in Christ. In and through all of who you are, this is what it means to be a Christian. Your whole body becomes saved. And actually, this is probably one of the biggest, I think it's a, it's a Greek kind of philosophical 
heresy that's kind of entered in, whether it be Manichaeism or Gnosticism or whatever, and it's, it's been around Western civilization for so long, it's corrupted everybody's, everybody else's Christianity, and to think that we are like spiritually Christian, but not bodily in our physical being, embodiment, and culture that we are Christian, right? So you can't, you can't be a Christian in, in, in the, the third way, where you're a Christian above. Now, it doesn't mean that your loyalty has to be you know, with Christ before other tribal right, identities, but you are a Christian in your body, right? And that basically means in your body, right, you have to think about discipleship. One of the things that I always say is that I say, look, have you allowed the gospel to transform all of who you are? Every aspect of who you are. Have you allowed God's shalom to come to every aspect of who you are? Some of us grow up, and there are certain parts of ourselves um, that just a hassle to deal with. You know, I had, I had a student from Laos, and she's like, you know what? I am sick of people defining me by my race and all this different stuff. I am a daughter of God. And I was like, that's just escapism. That's not going to help you. There was a viral video a couple, I guess, some months ago. This woman, African-American woman was talking about, I don't see myself as a black woman. I see myself as a, as a Christian woman. And I was like, why woman at all? Why, just, why even keep the woman thing? Just be a Christian then. That is not what the Bible says. Right? In your blackness, in your culture, right? In your particular skins and, and in your gender, even in your sexuality. People are like, why are they defining themselves by sexuality? Because it's in your body. And that has to be redeemed. That's the fundamental message. If that's true, if that's true, then it changes how you think about gospel. Changes how you think about ministry, right? And if you don't understand this thing, and, and some people are like, this is kind of like a you know, progressive agenda. I'm like, whatever it is, this is the world that we live in, right? I, it doesn't even, I mean, I, I would say it's just history, it turns out, not progressive agenda. It's not like, I was talking to somebody else, I was like, colonization, uh, colonialism globally, it's not, it's not a progressive agenda, it's just history, right? Um, more on that later. Um, so, Christian, your Christian identity is in and through your human identity. Now, what does this mean? Well, in terms about your identity, you realize even the gospel is written that way. Like, you realize these people, people who wrote the gospels, why are they different? And some scholars and some people freak out about this thing, right? They're like, oh, it's great the fact that we have multiple perspectives. Other people are like, ah, oh, you know, it's slightly different and it's strange and... I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke might be doing something, but John is doing his own thing, right? Doing his own wild thing. The word. And I'm like, what? And Mark is like, what are you talking about? Have you met Jesus? Um, oh, of course he has, okay? So, <laughs> uh, there's something happening here. And the gospel is being embodied in a particular way. And it's coming through in a particular way, right? Now, what if... One of them said, oh, I, um, I just feel like certain parts of myself is just baggage. I mean, as an Asian American, there's some Asian Americans here, just a little bit in Urbana. Uh, I think a lot, 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 lot of Asian Americans I teach and I, I interact with kind of grow up as though, like, uh, if you can be invisible, if, I, if I, this Asian American identity is just like baggage. And to some degree, sometimes women feel that way, like being a woman is just a baggage, like if I can kind of make this invisible, maybe I can just be a Christian and leader. And I'm like, well, what, what do you do with that? How do you allow the gospel to transform that? Sometimes the painful aspects of who we are, we feel like it's just a liability. But see, that's, that's where the gold is. That's where, where God's going to transform that, and, and you're going to leverage that and use that for God's kingdom. Every aspect of yourself, whether it's the most painful, whether it's the most presentable, has to be fully transformed. And a lot of people who don't talk about identity are the people who are normative. Who can, be, who can be like, well, I'm just a person. In America, it's actually people who are white, people who are male, who are heterosexual, people who, like, I'm just a person. I'm like, you're just a person. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time at Fuller telling every single student, like actually even the white students, to say, 
Like it's really, it's so important that you know the fact that you have a particular, like color, skin. Because I mean, I've, I get, I'm not gonna pick on Midwest people, but I, I will just a little bit. Like I, I get students from like Midwest, like white, like I don't have a culture, and I'm so glad I'm at Fuller. I'm in this global seminary. I learn stuff from everybody. I'm like, you don't have a culture. Look, I don't have a culture, but I'm so glad I'm surrounded by people who have such interesting cultures. I'm like, you don't have a culture. That's, that's the sound of normativity, right? You're like, oh, I don't have a culture. Like, I don't, I don't have a particular identity. Well, th- for those people, it's even more important to see that as a thing, right? Like, how do you see that as a thing? How do you see that as a particular experience? So breaking this down, right? So this is your personal identity. So much of who you are is formed by, <laughs> and when you, get, when you get married or when you, get, when you have kids, really so much of who you are is just literally formed by your parents. And uh, if you, as you get older, you realize uh, you realize you like I had an Ivy Staff mentor who, who basically told me, yeah, the first 20s of your life you get kind of totally messed up, and then the next 20s of your life you kind of figure out what that happened. And I would say, because I'm in my late 40s now, because I'm old, I I realize it's kind of true, and it's really hard to figure out what your family was really like. Like, to figure out what the story really is, right? So, your personal identity, how you experience yourself. You might be like, hey, you know, I'm Hispanic, but I grew up in like, a pretty white neighborhood. I'm like, okay, that's your narrative. Oh, maybe like, I'm, I look Asian, but I'm actually adoptee. That's fine. That's your personal story. You can own that, right? That's good. And so, that's all good. You have to own all that stuff, but there is the social identity in terms of how people perceive you, and you have to own that too. You might be like, wait, you know, I look white, but I grew up in a total, like, you know, Asian neighborhood. I'm like, yeah, but you're still white. And you have to own that, too. I, I'm not robbing you of this personal identity. You, you know, you have that experience. You have those friends. That's fine. But you have to own that as well. Why? Because when you get up there in front of people, when you navigate, when you do ministry, that's how people perceive you. You have to own that. So uh, they're both incomplete. The personal identity is incomplete. And the social identity is incomplete. Because as you know, I mean, when somebody looks at somebody like, oh, I don't know the fact that they're adoptees. They're like, whoa, you're Asian-American. I have all my Asian-American stereotypes. I'm going to give it to you. I'm like, well, that's incomplete, isn't it? Partly it's true because it still makes an impact in my life. So you have to understand both personal and social identities. And both of it is very difficult to learn. Like, uh, so, personal journey. It's owning your story, right? Um, you realize all this biblical... I stole this from university people, so <laughs> hopefully they won't get mad at me, these little, these little cute little pictures. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These people were totally formed by families, by their genealogies. You, isn't that weird, the fact that the Bible obsessed about genealogies? I always used to be like, what is the point? Why? Because they actually matter. Right? We are part, we, you know, we're, we're part of these like family structures, family systems, with all the cultural heritages. And you might be like, oh, I'm pretty, like, maybe you're like, let's say you're like a second gen American. You're like, oh, you know, I'm pretty Americanized. I'm like, I didn't say you weren't. I just said this is part of who you are. And you have to learn what that is. Whether you're like, you know, you know Taiwanese American, and you're like, well, I, I'm not like my parents. I'm pre-Americanized. I'm like, that's fine too, but you have to make sense of what you grew up with. Or maybe you're like, you know, maybe you're, uh, you have Norwegian, like, you know, a heritage, but you live in Minnesota, and it's five generations later, so you're like, oh, we're, all, we're American. I'm like, yeah, but your family has this heritage. It's been kind of erased because people talk about white people, which is still true, but you still have the heritage. And not knowing it just means you can't articulate it which is not good, right? I, 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 I've met so many, like, German heritage people, right? Because Germans haven't been here that long. From the Midwest. Um, they don't know their history. Like, they don't know their family history, right? Uh, their cultural heritage, what does it look like? How do you own that? How do you, how do you understand your family? And a lot of times, it's just figuring out, figuring out what your family stories are. Within, in terms of family history, what you don't know can hurt you. 
If you have that crazy uncle that did crazy stuff, I mean, if you, if you know anything, because, you know, we spend a lot of time in terms of family systems and psychology, you know all that stuff impacts you. And it impacts how you connect to people, how you do close relationships, because why? In the end, ministry is about relationships. How you embody Christ's love to people, that is impacted by how you were formed in your family. And how, you met, how you're going to be in marriage, how you're going to parent your kids, that's all going to be impacted by how you were formed. And if you don't own that, if you don't know what that is, you are basically mute. You can't articulate what this is. But it doesn't mean it hasn't impacted you. How do you own uh, your whole family system with the cultural heritage, right? So there's a thing called, I mean, I'll just throw stuff out, right? So there's a thing called like family system theory. It talks about the fact that your whole family functions as a system, and they all impact each other. And whether you think you're being impacted or not, it still impacts you. I mean, we're gen- talking about generations, right? And despite some of the, people talk about generational sins, you don't have to think of it that way. It's just the fact that these generations impact each other. So if your parents are reacting to something else, they'll react to you when you do something else. And then later on, you'll react because you were formed by that. Well, how do you transform that with the gospel? Well, a lot of times, I mean, I, I use this ana- analogy a lot. I say, isn't it interesting that, that Jesus uh, names a demon before he casts it out? He's like, what is your name? I'm like, what does it matter? Just take it out, right? Why? why, why? But in the Bible, names have power. A lot of you, uh, even me, like, I, spend, I obsess about names. Like, what is this thing that I'm actually experiencing? I don't know what it is. So I'll be like, oh, okay, that's what that is. If you have a label for something, then you can actually figure out how to engage that with the gospel. But if you're like, <laughs> like I, I, have a, I have a friend who is like, you know, he's like what, 60 later, but he's like sixth, third generation Chinese-American. He's like, yeah, I grew up thinking that that's just being chinese And I was like, you can't engage chinese with the gospel. That's just, like, what is that, right? You can actually have like, oh, that's just them being, you know, Puerto Rican. I'm like, you can't engage that with the gospel. What does that really mean? How do you dissect that? How do you get a sense of what that is in your family? This is uncle being uncle. I'm like, what does that mean? Where does it come from? How do you have some lens and tools to understand how do you engage that? Because why? It'll in- impact how you think about the gospel. How you think about your parents will impact how you see God. I mean, this is like, that's a, a given, right? God's the Father, ultimate authority. You might, you might, and some people are like, oh, no, God's you know, like this, my parents are like this, but I'm glad that I have the true father. I'm like, yeah, but this thing doesn't stay separate with this thing. Like, they're going to impact each other. And the question is, how do you allow the gospel to transform even how you think about uh, your parents and their relationships as well? Does that make sense? Because you're like, oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I know some young Christians who are like, oh, my parents are abusive, but I have God. I'm good now. I'm done. I'm like, yeah, wait until you have kids and everything comes back. Like, it'll all come back. And then you have to allow that to be transformed. Like, it just doesn't go away. And it's that deep formation you've had, you've been marinated in this personal identity, and all that has to be transformed. And you're going to be on a journey. Like, I've been on this journey for a long time, and I'm not done. And as I parent my kids, and as I see myself, and what kind of buttons I have, I see all that in me as well. All right, so that's the personal identity. So social identity is situating your story. Where is it, right? When you look at Esther, Paul, and Luke, these people were called amid empires, uh, powers, and principalities enveloping their family and culture. Right? There are all these, like, structures and history that's going on. What does it look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like race. It looks like gender. It looks like class. It looks like nationality. This stuff, you literally have to just learn. You will have to just learn, right? As an Asian American for myself as well, like, I have to sit there and learn about the Asian American history in America. The fact that the first racial, you know, racist, Immigration law in America was against Asian Americans. Chinese Exclusion Act. Right? Asian Americans were the, were the only ones that were incarcerated, like put in a, in, in a concentration camp. The only concentration camp we had in America. 
Now, of course, in a sense, I mean, we, we have to see the, the heritage and, and, the, and the contribution and the leadership of African Americans in America. But seeing all that stuff as well, how Asian Americans even learn from black Americans. Like that, I didn't know anything. I, I had no knowledge of any of that stuff. And I realized I'm just absolutely ignorant about what that is. And when I started talking about Black Lives Matter, I was like, wait a minute. How come Asian Americans are so silent? And I was like, wait a minute, there's so much history I had no knowledge of. And I couldn't enter into that conversation because I didn't know who I was. Now, it's not a matter of, uh, it's not a matter of what you want to understand. It's a matter of the fact that this is, this is actually happening right now, and people are projecting this on you, and you have to learn how to navigate it. Right? So, I mean, a lot of you already learned this in, in your class. Like, you know, in university context, you learn critical theory, you learn critical race theory, you, know, all, you learn about all this different stuff a lot of times. I think a lot of times we have a hard time making sense of what do I do with this thing? Because sometimes it's very critical of everything Christian. How do you make sense of this with what the gospel is? And that's the difficult work that has to, that has to happen. I think, you know, I mean, hopefully, if you haven't been living under a rock or something, you, you, you know, like, and we're also in St. Louis, like last time we were, we were um, the last Urbana, did, uh, you know, uh, InterVarsity did the whole thing, Urbana did the whole thing about Black Lives Matters. When you look at that, you're like, what does that mean? Like, this is, this is a deeper structural problem of America. These are like powers and principalities that actually exist in the U.S. It's not about how we love each other. And how do I fit into that, right? Um, I think the idea is, how can you be aware of this as you, as you think about your witness, as you think about leadership, right? I think about, when I, when I get in front of people and when I talk about certain things, I think about very much who I am. I think about, you know, what my race is. I think about what my, I mean, of course, I think about all my family background and everything else, how I, because that, that determines, uh, has formed me so much. For, but I think about how I navigate myself as a male, when I teach, I think about the, the gender dynamics within the class. I do all that. Because if you don't, you're going to just be blind to what's really happening. You know that typically, if you actually open up for Q&A, um, a lot of times women won't, just women won't raise their hands. Like it's just it's because it's, a, it's not how they are culturally. It's literally because of how the whole structure of education is in America. That is not just an individual thing. Now, you have to understand that. And that is not something you can actually learn easily. But if you learn about it, it will change how you do your leadership. I think it's taken me so long. And it's, it's not something, because I didn't grow up thinking about this thing. Maybe you guys are like, this is so like, simple. But I just, I just love Jesus. I was like, I w just want people to be transformed. That's all I really care about. And as I was just trying to do that, I was like, what is this thing that I'm facing? I don't know what this is. And I realized, oh, okay, this is what you call structural racism. I didn't know that. I was like, well, I mean, even at Fuller, I'll tell you right now, even at Fuller, Fuller Seminary is, is, is very kind of open. It's very kind of progressive. I think individually, nobody will be racist. But structurally, there's so much racism there. And it's, it's beyond people. And for the longest time, I was like, what am I experiencing? I don't even know what that is. But if you don't know how to articulate that, it becomes a real issue. So much more than before, we have so many more, so many more multicultural organizations. And a lot of you will be in a diverse team. When you go to like, or you'll be hired in a very diverse context, right? Where they want you. They want you to be like, oh, come. We want a very diverse, you're going to have to interact. And a lot of you would think about things purely from a culture perspective. I was watching, because um, I couldn't sleep last night, because I'm on West Coast time. I was watching Chopped, okay, uh, on the Food Network. And there was this Puerto Rican woman. She's like, I love my heritage. I love my culture. I'm going to make everything Puerto Rican. And she's like, there it is. And she won the whole thing. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, great, yeah, you know. And I was like, Puerto Rican food is awesome, right? Especially punch it. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, okay but anyways, um, I was like, wait a minute, but does she know, does she know that her, uh, uh, did I say Puerto Rican? I, I meant Filipino. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah. Her, uh, yeah, Filipino, right, sorry. That's why it's fun to, it, the, the Filipino thing, and I was like, does she know that 
Filipino, it's not a culture. It's actually a culture that actually has had hundreds of years of colonization. It's not like, oh, they're so accommodating. I'm like, they're not accommodating. They actually, I mean, they are too, but they actually have been colonized for so long. If you erase that history, it's like, oh, it's like my family history. We just get along. We're just so hospitable. You know, we go over there. We kind of blend in. I'm like, you had to blend in to survive. If you erase that history, it becomes incomprehensible. Right? That's what's happening. Like, you know, you can be like, oh, you know, black people, why are they in, 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 the, in the bad neighborhoods? And why are they shooting each other? It's a, it's a cultural thing. That's who they are. Well, if you erase history, right, histories of like red line laws where they couldn't, they couldn't move out of the ghettos. After World War II, black people weren't given the GI Bill. They didn't give it to black soldiers. Whereas everybody else got the GI Bill and got educated and all got rich and didn't get the GI Bill. If you erase that history and you say, well, culturally, that's just who they are. They're just lazy. See, that makes no sense. That's why history is so important. And this structure stuff is really, really hard. That's why the seminar is called You Don't Know Yourself. You don't know yourself. It is really, really hard to learn it. And it's not fun. Even learning about your family history is not fun. You're like, oh, yeah, my grandfather was shot, and my dad saw it, and he was traumatized, and he, that's, that's why he beat us. I'm like, that's my history, by the way. Like, that's not fun. But you're like, that's true. How do you own that? Right? How do you work through that? If you do that, because through you, your body, all of who you are, the gospel will be embodied. They will see the gospel in who you are. And if you don't know it, it'll leak out anyway. It'll leak out anyway. I mean, I look at people and I'm like, oh, it's leaking. <laughs> I can see it in people. I'm like, it's coming out. I don't know. They're angry at something, but it's coming out. And you know these people. Like, they're up there talking. I'm like, and they're like, you know. And I'm like, and you can see it in their face. They're like, they're really upset about this person. They're like, oh, no, I'm good. Lord bless them. I'm like, yo, but I'm like, I'm like whoa, there's something happening. It'll come out anyways. Or people will experience you. And I, I talk about, um, I mean, I think some people have talked about an emotional wake of your presence. Like, you know, like a boat, right? Like you go into the wake. Or I, I call it like an aftertaste. Like, a, you know, kind of like a, <laughs> kind of like, a, I, like I guess like I think of it like kind of like food or something. You know, like you have bad sushi or something like that. And you're like, and then after, like, like an hour after you met with somebody, right? You're like, Like something about that interaction like didn't sit well. And you're like, I don't like that person. Every time I meet with her, like uh, two hours later, I feel crappy about myself. It's true. <laughs> you're, you're dying because it's true. And half the time it's you. <laughs> half the time it's me. All the things I've talked about is basically what's happening. And you have to unpack that. And it's your task. It's your task of discipleship to do this thing. And it'll take you literally like decades to do. But because all that you do, right, you're embodying the gospel with this thing, uh, it, it's, it's basically what's going to help you to be fully transformed. It's almost like you're working in the gospel into the dough of your life, like just working in every bit of it. And there's some past you and some structure, some history, you don't want to know. It's not pretty, but it must be transformed by the gospel. Christ will have it all, and he will have every part of you transformed. He will have every part of even the part of you that you are like, oh, this is just liability. There's like no point to this thing. No, that too. He will have that be transformed and use it for God's kingdom. Right? Otherwise, you'll be a sad imitation of whatever you think you are, right? So given that, what we're going to do is, I'm going to have you guys, this is typically what I do, I'm going to have you guys pair up with the person next to you, and uh, discuss this for five minutes, and then we'll have another question for five minutes, and then we'll have general Q&A, okay? Good? Because, you know, we have to work this into your brains, right? So pair up, and just think about, this, this is the family part of it, second question will be more of a social. This is just your family dynamic and cultural heritage, how it impacts your family and relationships. Five minutes.
I think I, uh, I try to really be as open as possible as I've developed as a leader. Try to really, I, I've spent a lot of time processing my own story so I can share it with everybody. My wife and I are really open about the fact that I've gotten therapy, that, you know, all the, all the abuses in our family. I mean, this is the stuff of my testimony, right? But I can't share it if I haven't processed this through. I can't be like, oh, God's done. I'm like, I've gotten inner healing. I'm done with it. I'm like, it's all good. <laughs> inner healing is all good, right? But some of the stuff, the impact of it is so big, you're going to have to sit there and spend some time processing this thing. And you will know <laughs> if it's well processed, if you really fully own it, and you can actually use it for God's testimony. But it won't be done flippantly. Like, oh, I've gotten healing. It's all done. I'm like, no, you're, it's not done. You know, it doesn't work that way, right? So, okay, second question. Um, you can actually talk to, why don't you actually talk to somebody else if you can? Um, in what ways do you think uh, your social identity, race, gender, nationality, right, uh, plays a role in, in impacting your, your ministry, leadership, and, and calling, right? This stuff, we have to own it, okay? We, I know Christians, some Christians are like, oh, it's all good. I'm like, you know, Jesus breaks down all walls. I'm like, I didn't say Jesus' gospel didn't break down walls. But we don't become angels. We, we resurrect with my, I resurrect with my face, which is good and bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, maybe unfortunate. But, you know, when I teach it in class, some people, some people were like, oh, really? Like, and I was like, well, did you think you were going to resurrect as Brad Pitt? Like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> I mean, they're really, really surprised. I'm like, well, you know, like, you know, our bodies get resurrected. Like, this is what we own, right? So what does that really mean to actually be like, this is part of what our testimony and leadership is? So you got five minutes to discuss this topic, which is think about gender, race, and nationality. It doesn't mean we're letting this define all of who we are. We're saying we're going to have to acknowledge this thing and let this be transformed as well and not be oblivious to what's happening, right? Just like all the people in the Bible, Esther, she knew she was a Jew in a Persian empire, and she had to figure out what the calling was. That's really interesting, right, isn't it? The fact that you can't interchange callings. You can't be like, here, Esther, here's Moses' calling. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? God called you for a particular purpose because he knows you in your body. What does it mean to be called? Five minutes to discuss this topic. Oh, fun. Goody. <laughs> all right, you guys. Super. You guys are all awake. <laughs> all right. Um, we, have about <coughs> we have about 10 minutes, so, uh, or maybe a little less than that. So I will be open to any questions that have come up in your discussion. Um, of course, you know, if you don't get a chance to um, talk to me, you can always visit me on the Fuller, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, booth or whatever. I'll be there all next, well, next week. <laughs> I will not be there next week. I, I, I'll be there uh, tomorrow, all day tomorrow. Um, and, of course, some of the stuff that I talk about will be on I talk about a lot of stuff on the podcast, so uh, it's called, so if you go to centering.today, I know it's not .com or org, it's today, so they, they talk about, we kind of post this stuff, so we can kind of talk about that, but right now we can actually, um, you know, if you have some questions, um, yes? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, so her question was, as a Latina and white bi biracial person, like, how do you make sense of that, especially when you don't feel like you're not enough of one or the other? Let me tell you why. Like, there's a way of thinking about this thing. Um, I don't really like the term identity that much because I think a lot of times it actually sounds as though there's like a true self that you have to own, which is nonsense, by the way. <laughs> it's better to think about this. There's all the different aspects of who you are, and you want to own all of them, right? Not like your true self. Because what, what is my true self? My, is my true self, like, do I watch more K-pop? Is that my true self? I mean, it's like, what does that even mean, right? 
Like, it's like nonsense, right? I mean, that, that, way, of, that way of thinking is nonsense. Like, would you have to, I don't know, like something, raci- like something racial, serious, like, oh, you got to eat more, I don't know, tamales or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> so the question is, how do you, so in, the, in a personal sense, right, how do you own your family history, right? So that's really important. So the fact that your family, it's like, for example, like some, you know, some white people are like, hey, I have Native American blood, I have family. That's fine. You can own that as a personal thing, if you, especially if you have a family history of that. A lot of, you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, biracial people will ask me, like, I'm biracial. And I'm like, yes, personally, you have different things. You can own all that stuff culturally. Yes, own all that. Socially, you black. Oh, no, you black. You're, you're not biracial, right? Own that too, right? Own the fact that you, you look up. Racial type is about what you look like. It has nothing to do with how you experience anything. And it's terribly reductive, but it's a part of how Americans function. And historically, you won't understand American history without it. And you won't understand why certain policies are the way that we are without it either. And why, why media and why our education works in a particular way. We won't understand it. So you have to own that as well, which is reductive. Yes, it's incomplete, but you have to own that too. So you would actually fit in some sense in a, in a feeling, especially in, even like your different siblings you might have or even different cousins might fit in a different category based on literally what they look like. And you have to own that. Be like, we look different, therefore we, will, we, are, we get treated different, way, different ways and we have to navigate the world differently. How do you understand that? That's what I mean, the social identity. You have to own that, right? And so, like I said, ex- that example of like, I'm biracial. I'm like, that's fine. You own that. Like, I mean, I know like people who are like, you know, uh, um, like his, so his mother is Korean, his father's white, and he looks different than his siblings. His siblings look like this, you know, um, this one pastor I know, he's like, his siblings look white, and he looks like Asian. And people treat, him, treat each other very different. I'm like, yes, in a family sense, right? You, are, you have all the heritages which you, you should all own. You, you should actually embrace all these different things because they all impact you. At the same time, racially, and even how this impacts everything else, racially, you will literally navigate the world differently. And when you get up there to preach, you will navigate the world differently. Why? Because everybody's stereotypes about Asian American, everything that they've seen in the media, and they will be projecting upon you. And you can't control that. Now, you have to be aware of it, and you have to navigate this thing, and you can do it poorly, <laughs> or you can do it well. Like, there's a thing, like, so there's a, there are all this, uh, um, I've seen a lot of, uh, there's a mega church in SoCal that has a lot of Asian American pastors. And a lot of them will get up there, and they'll start out, start out their sermon, because the audience is actually a lot more diverse. They start out their sermon by making a f- making fun of their their ethnic their, their their identity, like oh ho, ho, you know I'm kind of fat and people mosquitoes think I'm a you know Chinese buffet and I was like that's so racist why would you say something like this that's doing it poorly because you're uncomfortable you don't know what this really means you don't understand you're gonna aggravate what's happening racially because you haven't fully owned this thing, right? How do you own that? How do you own the fact that you are you know and politically you know, historically, this is all part of who you are. So that's basically what I would say. Like, how do you own these parts of who you are? And it doesn't mean that one has to be fully defining all of who you are. I think, don't think of identity as box, but think about it as more of an awareness of the fact that these dimensions are there. Hopefully that, that helps. But it's a long journey in kind of understanding that. And also, in certain contexts, you just have to navigate different things. Like, just the fact that, like, I, have a, I know a, you know, biracial, he's, he's a third-generation Chinese-American and white, He's like, yeah, in certain contexts, I just have to navigate this thing differently. It's, it's painful. But how do, you, how do you fully just own that? Like, it's not like socially, I'm going to be treated differently. So how do I, how do I navigate that? So. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would say it begins with um, owning your pain and your anger. I don't think, I mean, so I teach this class on Asian American Identity and Ministry, and half the people, like, 
leave the class angry. And I'm like, I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm just telling you what, what happened historically. And they're like, well, that makes me angry. I'm like, I mean, that's history. Like, it's literally what happened to you, right? Uh, and you're like, well, I can't believe the media is doing this. I'm like, yeah, you just didn't see it before. <laughs> and so everybody's doing this to you. And if you just go like, this, oh, wait a minute, you're suffocating me. Oh, my gosh, you're an activist. You're like, you become left-wing activist. Just because you said, don't suffocate me. That's what an activist is a lot of times for people of color, right? Now, I, now my thing is, you have to keep on going and getting, get over the anger, right? And the pain so you can actually lead. Why? Because you don't want to be leaking all that pain everywhere and leaking all the anger. It's taken me a lot. I think uh, I've seen a lot of people, uh, and I would say, I mean, we're talking about people of color, but it's not easy being white. I mean, that's not true. In terms of status, but in certain contexts, it's very, very different. How do you own that and be like, okay, I worked as this thing. I know it's not safe for me, but how do I own that? How do I do that? That's part of leadership, right? And you have to go through the whole thing. You have to emotionally go through it. Some things, either you can be like, it doesn't exist, which is basically one of the categories. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm good. I'm like, you haven't started the journey. Go through the, and you have to mourn. And sometimes you will be angry. I mean, I have a spiritual director I see on a monthly basis. Otherwise, see that man. I, I, I think, and I, I've done a lot of things. I've, I've done a lot of, uh, I mean, there's all things that I talk about, right? Just how do you make sure you take care of yourself? Um, how do you make sure you stay grounded? How do you make sure you find places to mourn? How do you, how do you and also, how do you not go crazy? Because sometimes it's crazy making, am I crazy? Or was that really racist? Because it doesn't seem like, which is basically what microaggressions are, like, Something happened. I don't know what that is, but it was very subtle. Like, oh, you, maybe you can do math ministry. What? <laughs> Are you saying that I'm good at math? Because I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. I was an engineer before. I was a the, uh, theologian, so uh, what can I say? <laughs> but in any case, you know, my kids are not good at math, so there. Right? <laughs> uh, so that's what I would say. Yeah. It's a long journey. And you can be like, I don't want to see it. Because I'm, I'm a child of God and I'm a Christian, or we can be like, okay, I, I see it. And it doesn't mean you don't take the Bible less seriously. Like I'm, you're interacting with the Bible. You know the Bible talks about refugees and all the history. Like Now people are looking and realizing, oh my God, the refugees in the Bible. No crap, it's been there forever. <laughs> you didn't want to see it because you, they, the scholars themselves weren't refugees. You see what I'm saying? They were, and, and, the, and the refugees themselves were like, oh my gosh, we're refugees, and we're there in the Bible. Yeah, it's always been there. These, are, these things have consequences for how we see what's in Scripture, what's always been there. Right? That's why I'm saying it matters. We're not talking about seeing the Bible less. I'm saying you're not seeing what's happening in the Bible. Right? The Bible obsesses so much about identity, so much about structures, so much about families, right? But we don't talk about it. Why? Because we were growing up in an evangelicalism that was individualistic. They didn't think about structures. They were talking about personal salvation only. I mean, of course, personal salvation is important. But that's basically what happened. We weren't seeing what was there already. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, we were, if we're not trying to put something in there, we weren't seeing what was already there because we weren't, we weren't taking these things seriously. We had a disembodied spirituality. We had disembodied uh, Christian identity. So, uh, questions? Yes. Uh, you and then afterwards. Go ahead. Um, so no, wait. Uh, right, uh, right. Go ahead. Um, I think that some people Right, right. Yeah.
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we we have to wrap up. I realize I got I, I got overly excited, so <laughs> I kind of rambled down a little bit. But uh, let me just very short answer your question because uh, it's a two second question. No, it's not. <laughs> It's going to take you forever. No, it's, it's, it's a long journey. So how do you start the journey? And you will be on the journey for a long time, right? So, um, and there are other tools out there. It's just that there's, there's not a succinct way of kind of thinking about it. I think some of it is just literally history, like reading Puerto Rican history <laughs> and, say, and asking questions with your family and saying, I need to know my family. Like, I need to know, and there are pieces I just don't understand, and it's very important to know. But there are other pieces of it. You just have to literally take classes in your universities on Puerto Rican history, like Latino history, like Asian American history, like black history, do all that stuff, right? Critical white studies, do all that. Do all that. And think about it critically, because you can't you know, just accept everything. But you should know it and start engaging it with the gospel. Um, I have to end. Thank you. So, uh, I, I will be here uh, afterwards, and I will be also at the Fuller booth as well. But uh, thank you so much, everybody. I mean, you have uh, an yeah. announcement. Can we give him a round of applause for sharing with us? Thank you, everybody. <laughs>